0: Well, guys, as you know, we uh, started a series a couple of weeks ago called Get in the Game. And uh, we've been taking the time, in a sense, to regroup and and look at what needs to be done in our lives to just really get in the game again. Uh, To actually be playing with a purpose and, and having impact on the game. And obviously, we've been using the word game in correlation to life. What do we need to be doing to get into the game of life to truly be living lives that God has called us to live? What do we need to be doing in order to make our lives count? And the first week we, <coughs> we talked about how we have to get rid of fear in our lives. We just sang that song. Lindley you know, talked about that. So, so huge. Fear cannot be part of our game plan. It just can't. F- fear will literally take us out of the game and render us useless. The-, the child of God, the follower of Jesus Christ, is not to be living out a life of fear. And then last week, we moved in to talk about how we need to get back to the fundamentals, how so often we lose sight of the fundamentals of the Christian life, and the next thing you know, we, we just become lazy, we become sloppy, and we're so far-, so far out of the game, we aren't having any impact at all. And we need to get back to the fundamentals. We need to get back to these basic principles of the Christian life. And we talked about some of them. I call them the spiritual disciplines of the Christian life. You know, We talked about Bible study, prayer, memorization, meditation, solitude, fasting, and the list goes on. These are things that we can do that we can apply effort towards where then the Holy Spirit meets us and pours out His grace upon us doing the things that we could never do. Remember the analogy of the seed. When you take a seed and you never place it in the soil, it's not going to grow. It's not going to germinate. But when you place it in the right soil and you begin to water it, the the growth begins to happen. Well, all we're doing is we're placing ourselves in the right soil and allowing God to produce the growth. Well, today I want to talk about the topic of practice. And the topic of practice, let me tell you, has very much to do with the Christian life. It's a very important aspect of all of life, but especially for the Christian life. And the simple reason for that is, is because the more we practice something, the better we get at something. Like for instance, if if I were to say that someone was really good at something, you would automatically know that that person has done it a lot, okay? They have practiced it, whereas if someone is really bad at something, you can tell that they haven't practiced it. Like video games. All right, first service, let's be honest. How many of you guys play video games? Yeah, two people. It's not the right crowd to be talking to about video games. (laughs) My sons play video games. I I don't, but they they play it quite a bit, and sometimes they'll say, you know, and I'll play with friends like this, too, but there's some game called Halo, where it's just like the futuristic space game where you run around and just shoot each other. And uh, am I allowed to talk about that? It's space. They're not real. So they say, hey, Dad, play with us, or whatever. So I'll get in there, and, uh, you know, I I have this controller that has about 16 buttons on it, and I don't know what they do, and I'm standing there, and I'm like, (laughs) and I'm like, guys, how do I move? And they're like, just push the stick. I am pushing the stick. I don't know what I'm doing. And all of a sudden, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and then I'm like, I let go of my gun. I'm like, I just dropped my gun. They're like, press A. So I'm looking for A, and then I'm like, A, and it... Picks up the gun and all of a sudden, now I'm dead. (laughs) And then they start laughing like, I just killed you. I'm like, how did you kill me? I didn't even see you. And you're like, I'm in invisible mode. I'm like, invisible mode? I can't even walk. And you're running around in invisible mode killing me. That's not even fair. Now, my sons are super good at this game because they what? They practice it. I'm super horrible at the game because I haven't practiced it. Well, the Christian life is no different. You can tell the followers of Christ who practice the teachings of Jesus apart from the people who don't. They are worlds apart from each other. And so whether we like to admit it or not, the truth is, the Christian life requires practice. Now, I know once again I might be tapping in to some nerves with the people who worry about applying too much effort into the Christian life and who worry that we might be Leading too close to work salvation? You know, what do you mean that we're supposed to practice in the Christian life? God has already done everything for us. We don't need to do a thing. We don't work to impress God. And while I agree that we don't work to impress God, that does not mean that we don't have to apply effort. Like I mentioned last week, there is effort involved in the Christian life, there just is. It doesn't take anything away from God and what He has done and will do for a believer to apply effort to his or her Christian life. Remember what we read in Peter last week. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness. And to goodness, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And on and on it goes with with the list of things that we need to be growing in In ever-increasing measure, it says, make every effort in our lives to add to it. Over and over in the New Testament, we're told to do stuff. We're told to stand firm in the faith, grow in grace, rejoice in your sufferings, pray without ceasing, give thanks to the Lord, do not grieve the Spirit. These are all things that we must do. Nobody's going to do it for us. And that's just a list that came off the top of my head. If we were to dig in, you'd see a ton of them. Things we're told to do that requires effort on our part. So when I say that the Christian life requires practice, I mean exactly that. It requires practice. It requires effort on our part to live out the Christian life. And once again, remember, of course God is working with us and doing the stuff in us and through us that we could never do. Remember, that's what we call grace. And guys, grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to what? Earning. It's not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. So when I say that the Christian life requires practice, I certainly do not mean that we're trying to earn a thing. We can't earn a thing. But we can apply the effort of practice. Let me show you a verse. And just to set up this verse, Jesus has is, is preached the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on Mount is one of the greatest sermons ever preached. It's filled with all all great teaching commands of Jesus. And, and, And at the end of the sermon, he comes to the end, and look at what Jesus says. He goes, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and what? puts them into practice, does them. You know, the Apostle Paul said the very same thing. Paul was a man who intensely followed Jesus. He deeply practiced the Christian life. Um, he, he In fact, in one spot, he tells people, he says, you know, follow me as I follow Christ. And what a powerful thing to say. It's like Paul was saying, listen, if you want to know what the Christian life entails, follow my example because I am following Jesus as closely as I can. But here's what Paul says in Philippians, which I think is such an incredible thing to say. He says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, what are we to do? Practice these things. That tells you the kind of life Paul was living. Whatever you see me doing, Practice doing that because I'm doing what Jesus wants me to, doing, to be doing. The Christian life requires practice. Of course it does. It just makes sense. Everything in life requires you know, practice in order to be able to master it. And we practice in order to be ready for the real thing. Practice prepares us for when it counts. Those of you who have kids in band or in orchestra... You know how important practice is. The band teacher will tell the kids that they need to practice for half an hour you know, every day of the week, and they have to fill out their little homework sheet. Now, I understand as a parent why they need to do that, but as a parent, that's hard to gut through. My uh, son, he took up violin in fifth grade, and I thought, that's kind of cool. I like violin. It's pretty sweet. Half an hour every day. Like, honey, I know she says half an hour. Maybe we could just go with six minutes. That would be, you know, whatever. That was miserable. But why? Because the teacher wanted him to practice. Because when you practice, you get better. You've often heard me say something that I've stolen from Dallas Willard. He's, he says, We practice off the spot so that we can be ready on the spot. Practice prepares us for when it really counts. We don't practice so that we can get really good at practice. No, we practice so that when we're called upon to do something, it will come easy and effortlessly. Like, for instance, Bill, are you, Bill, come on up here. I want you to sit behind the keyboard. For those of you who didn't know Bill, Bill is our keyboardist. He plays a lot for our worship team. He's an excellent piano player. He's been playing the piano for a long time. <clears throat> and uh, you ready? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bill, uh, play Fur Elise, is it? Fur Elise. Play Fur Elise. All right. He knows how to play Fur Elise. Uh, play Ode to Joy. Isn't that awesome? All right, all right, let's, let's throw a little loop in gear. Do you know the Snoopy song? <laughs> That's awesome. Give it up for Bill. Thank you, Bill. <laughs> now, guys, he didn't have any notes. He did not read anything. He just did that. Now, how could he have done that? Practice. And I want to tell you something, Bill practices and practices and practices. When he has Friday night worship here, he's here most nights, here just for hours, practicing because he wants to be able to do it effortlessly when the time counts. For instance, in high school, I played football. There's a picture of me up here, I think. 200 pounds lighter. But I played football, and guess what? We would practice three hours a day, five days a week. So that's 15 hours a week in order to be ready for what? A game. A game. Guess how long a game is in high school? One hour. It's four quarters of 15 minutes. So we practice 15 hours. For one hour. The game is what counted. The game was the main focus of all of our practice. And the reason we would practice is so that when we got in the game, all the things we'd practice would just come natural. The muscle memory would be there and we could naturally do what needed to be done when it needed to be done, just like what we saw with Bill. Practice prepared us for that. We practiced because the game was coming and we had to be ready for the game time. Now that's why Jesus says that when we put his words into practice, we're in a sense building our foundation on a rock. And it's important that we build our foundation on a rock because game time is coming. In other words, there's going to be a time when the storms are going to hit, the waves are going to crash, the water is going to to rise, the, the winds are going to blow, and those times are coming. There's no avoiding that. What we can avoid is crumbling apart when those storms hit. And that's why Jesus says if we put his words into practice, we will be building on rock and we'll stand strong. You know, I think a great example of that just recently is the Hansen family. Y'all know Kirk Hansen, he's our worship pastor. And what you may not know is that during this quarantine Um, His father went to be with the Lord. Uh, In March, Jeff went into the hospital because he had a severe stomach ache. And less than two months later, he died of pancreatic cancer. And and I can't tell you how this has shaken the whole Hanson family. Colleen, Jeff's wife, and Kim and Kirk and Kyle, the three sons, and all the rest of the family, they never saw this coming. This storm hit without warning. It came out of nowhere. And the grief is real. And it's gut-wrenching. We had a memorial service yesterday, and many tears were shed, and and I I know they will continue to be shed. But I will tell you this, Kirk would get here on Sunday mornings while his dad would be laying in the hospital bed, being told that hope is, is completely lost, being told that they can't do anything for him, and in spite of that pain, in spite of that hurt, he would show up on Sunday morning, and he would lead us in worship and sing his heart out to the Lord Sunday after Sunday. And then even after his father's death, having to face the the future without his dad, he would show up here on Sunday morning, and from the bottom of his heart, he would lead us in praising his king. He didn't skip a beat. Even with his broken heart, he didn't get angry at God. He didn't turn his back on God. He didn't crumble. His house didn't get swept away in the flood. And you want to know why? Because his house is built on the rock. He's been practicing the words of Jesus. He's been following his Lord. He's been practicing the Christian life. And God has prepared him for the storm. Same goes for Colleen. What a blessing that woman is. In spite of the loss of her husband, in spite of being in the middle of a storm and the waves and wind beating against her house, her house is standing. And why? Because for years and years she's been building her house on the rock. Guys, putting the words of Jesus into practice prepares us for when the storms of life hit. And trust me, the storms of life are going to hit. Amen? Amen. We're all going through one right now. In fact, many of you are going through more than one storm. There are multiple storms going off, raging in your life. Trust me, the storms are going to come. The question is, are you ready for it? The question is, is your house ready? Standing, or is it getting washed away? If we want to get in the game and we want to play to win, we must take the words of Jesus and begin to train for them, practice them, and practice them now. Not wait for a more convenient time, not wait till things settle down, not wait till we retire. No, now. And you might be thinking, well, Luke, what are these words of Jesus that we need to be putting into practice? Well, let's just look at a few, and I'd encourage you to read Matthew 5 through 7, all the Gospels really. The entire Sermon on the Mount is filled with the words of Jesus, and here are some things he says. He says, don't live in anger. You might be sitting there, well, Luke, (laughs) my whole life is anger. It's the fuel that drives me. It's what gets me going in the day. It's what gets me going in life. Well, Jesus says, don't do it. What you can do with anger, you can do far better without. (laughs) That was just for emphasis. Get rid of anger. So how do we do that? We practice. Begin to practice that. Jesus says don't lust. And every man in the room goes, yeah, right. There's some five minutes that go by in my life where I don't lust. Well, Jesus says don't. How do we do it? Well, we begin to practice. Jesus says speak honestly. Let your yes be yes, your no be no. If our life is just filled with mistruth and, and we're not speaking honestly all the time, we say one thing, we mean another, Jesus says change that. Jesus says, go the extra mile. Jesus says, love your enemies. And you're like, yeah, right, that's impossible. No, it's not. Jesus says we can do it. And his grace is going to work with us, but we have to practice. Jesus says, don't live to impress men, live to impress only God. When you pray, pray in secret. When you give, give secretly. Forgive those who sin against you. Store up treasure in heaven. Don't let money be your God. Do not worry. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Take care of your own issues before you go thinking you can deal with other people's issues. Ask, seek, knock, and on and on the list goes. These are the words of Jesus, the commands of Jesus, his instruction for living in the kingdom of God. And we must look at these words as life. And that to live them is the best way to live. They are so important. So important that in fact in the Great Commission, some of the final words Jesus gives to his disciples, he says, therefore go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And what does the next phrase says? And teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. But how do we do that? How do we do that list of things Jesus is telling us to do? Well, I'll tell you what we don't do. We don't just read that list and say, okay, I'm just gonna try doing it. Because when we try doing it, tell me what happens. We fail. It's a lot like if I were to tell some of one of you to, to I want you to go bench press 350. That's my command to you. 350 pounds. Now go do it. Now, if you were to try that, what would happen? We'd fail. We'd fail miserably. But guess what? Anybody who wants to be able to bend 350 someday, they can train for it. We don't just try to do them. We train to do them. We practice. And if we put his words into practice, we build on a foundation of rock. Amen? Now let me tell you what happens when we don't practice. Well, actually, let me tell you what Jesus says. He says this in verse 26 But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. See that? you see the danger of living a life not practicing the words of Jesus? The, the danger of ignoring the words of Jesus? You see what that verse says? It says, everyone who hears these words of mine, now notice, it's not like they're not hearing them. No, they're hearing these words, they just aren't what? Yeah, they're not practicing, they're not doing them. And I fear that's what most of what the American church does. Our churches are filled with people who hear the word of God spoken over and over and over week after week and we come each week to hear the word of God but we don't go home and do the word of God. We don't put his words into practice. There's a verse in James that says do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. If you think simply listening to the word of God is enough you're deceiving yourself. Let me tell you, I have done that so many times in my life, I've deceived myself because I just listen, but I don't do. It's meant to be put into practice. Because if we don't, it can be disastrous. Hearing the words of Jesus and not practicing the words of Jesus is not only foolish, it can lead to disaster. And I know I keep beating this drum, but I can't tell you how important it is. You ever been put into a situation where you're being asked to do something and you can't because you've not practiced doing it? It can be disastrous. Remember when I first moved up here, I wanted to work as a carpenter. I wanted to learn how to do carpentry. And so I talked to a friend of mine and he knew somebody who was a carpenter, so I got hired for him. And guys, this was the first week. First week I'm on the job. And I didn't know what I was doing. I had never done carpentry. And the guy goes, hey, uh, Luke, i got a softball game. i got to be there by 4, so I'm going to duck out of here early. What I want you to do is I want you to finish uh, screwing off the gutters up two stories high. So I'm like, okay. And, you know, as a carpenter, as a guy, you don't want to admit you don't know what you're doing. So you just kind of, oh, okay. Yeah. And so just yeah, just get the ladder, get up there, and screw, screw it down. Put all the little gutter clips on it and screw it on. All right. So he leaves, there's nobody in the house, it's a brand new house, I'm there, and he has this old wooden ladder, two stories high, old wooden ladder, I think it was built in the Civil War days. (laughs) And I I put it up there, and I climb up there with his, his screw gun, and I have these clips, and I'm two stories high, and I'm like, my ladder is leaning against the gutter, so I'm like, well, how do I get this gutter up? When my ladder is pressing it down, and so I'm up there, and the ladder's like, you know, like this, and I'm, you know, trying to get this thing, so I'm trying to push the gutter up, and I'm trying to screw. And when I hold the screw gun in the clip, I'm not holding on to the ladder, and it just keeps bowing like this. Next thing you know, my right leg of the ladder sinks into the dirt, and it begins to slide on the slab. Now, I have something embarrassing to admit. When I get super scared, I shriek like a woman. And so I'm sitting there and I'm trying, I have, I'm not holding on to the ladder. I'm holding the screw gun to clip and all of a sudden, I'm like, ah! I screech. So I, I try to grab the thing and I'm hanging on to this gutter and the ladder is leaning like this and I'm like, help, help, anyone, nobody's there. So I'm sitting there, I'm like, ah. so I'm like, how am I going to do it? And so I try to let go of the, the gutter to be able to grab the screw gun because I didn't want to wreck a screw gun. And then I'd start to slide some more. I'm like, ah! So finally, after a while, I grabbed a screw and tossed it. I didn't care about a screw anymore. And I pulled myself on the, the gutter till I was straight up and down. And then quickly, I climbed down the ladder and got down. I said, I'm not doing any more gutter clipping. Why? Because I didn't know what I was doing. And when you don't do something for a while, when you've never done it, and then you're asked to do it, it can be disastrous. Well, it's the same way with the spiritual life. Don't think that we can face the storms of life if we haven't put the practice in. You know, I think many of us in life look like I did on that ladder. The rains are beating down, the wind is blowing, the water is rising, our ho- and our house is falling apart, and we're hanging on for dear life screaming help. And it's because we've chosen to ignore the the commands of Jesus, the words of Jesus. A question we need to ask ourselves is, do we believe Jesus or not? If we do, then we'll take his word and begin to practice applying it to our life. And if you say that you don't intend on doing that, then don't say you believe in Jesus because belief in Jesus will always lead to action. And if we plan to not take action, if we plan not to practice, then we need to be willing to face the consequences of not doing so. And the consequences, let me warn you, can be dire. When the storm hits and when the rain comes down and the streams rise and the winds blow and beat against your house, guess what's going to happen? Well, Jesus tells us, it will fall With a great crash. Because like a fool, you've been building your house on sand. We don't want that for our lives. I don't want that for my life. And I don't want it for your life. We want to build on the rock. And if we want to build on the rock, then we need to show up to practice. You know, when I coached that youth football, all the time, we would have kids skipping the week of practice, and then guess what? Showing up at the game, saying, Coach, put me in. Coach, I want to play. And I'd be like, Billy, you didn't come to any of the practices. Why should I put you in the game? First of all, you don't know the plays. You don't know the different defenses. You don't know all the different you know, setups that we're doing. I, I can't put you in the game because we're going to lose miserably. But so many kids were just like, I don't want to come to practice. I just want to go to the game. Well, the American church isn't much different than youth football. People haven't been showing up to practice in their spiritual lives. And and guys, we as a nation are facing the consequences of that. Look at our nation, it's a mess. We can't get along with someone with a different color skin than ours. We can't get along with someone who's on the other side of the political aisle than us. We can't get along with anyone who is somehow different than us. And we fight and we bicker and we treat people inhumanely and we riot and we attack each other and we kill children in schools and on and on the dysfunction and evil actions go. Our nation is falling apart. And we like to talk about it. We like to talk to our friends about it. And we like to be like, did you, oh, can you believe what's going on? Isn't believing. You see the news, it's so our nation's just falling apart. And we go on and on, and we like to we just talk about it and be cynical about how our nation is falling apart. You want to know what's going on with our nation? I'll tell you what's going on with our nation. The church is failing to be the church. You want to know something? The word Christian means nothing anymore. Nothing I don't know if you knew this or not, but the word Christian began in the book of Acts in the town of Antioch. The people of Antioch began to call Christ followers, disciples of Jesus, they called them Christians. Christians used to mean a follower of Jesus. Well, guess what? The church is filled with Christians who aren't following Jesus. The term Christian does not mean what it used to mean, trust me, because Christians aren't following Jesus and week after week Christians show up to churches to hear the words of Jesus and week after week they walk away and do nothing about them. So-called followers of Jesus are not following Jesus. And I know we love to blame the nation. We love to blame the government. It's the government's fault. It's the Republicans' fault. It's the Democrats' fault. It's the media's fault. We love to blame everyone else but, but I'll tell you who's to blame. It's us. It's Christians, it's pastors, it's churches, it's us. You want to know why it's our fault? Because God has called us to rescue the world. God has called us to go into all the world and to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all the commands. He didn't command the government to do that. He didn't command some political party to do that. He didn't command the media to do that. He asked us to, to teach people to obey the commands of Jesus, to put them into practice. And guys, if we aren't obeying the commands of Jesus, then if we're not showing the world what a loving, godly, righteous Christ follower looks like, then how can we expect the world to want what we supposedly have? Our houses are falling down with crashes all around us just as much as theirs is. What the world needs is followers of Jesus to actually start following Jesus. And so Whitestone, let's be those people, amen? Let's not just be hearers of the word of God, let's be doers, let's put into practice the commands of Jesus, let's train for them. And let me just say, applying action toward these commands is easier than we might think. And I know you might think, oh, there's a lot of commands. How can I do all the commands? Don't pick all the commands at want. Just pick one. Choose one. Begin to train for it. The Spirit of God and His grace will work with you. And then add another. That's why we call it discipleship. That's why we call it apprenticing ourselves after Jesus. When we begin to apply that effort, the Spirit of God works along with us. He pours His grace in us to do things we could never do on our own. And the next thing you know, we're doing things and experiencing, experiencing things that we never dreamed possible. I never dreamed that I could live a life without anger. I never dreamed I could live a life without lust. I never dreamed that I could go the extra mile for someone I hate. I never dreamed. All those things are humanly impossible. They're miraculous. But as we train for them, God's power, his grace works with us to do the miraculous. Amen? And like I said, if there ever was a time where the world needs people who are doing that with their lives, it is now. The world needs followers of Jesus to actually start following We need to get in the game. And we need to play to win. Amen? Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I am guilty of these words. I know I preach this sermon, but God, I stand here admittedly failing to put into practice your commands. I have gotten lazy. I have gotten sloppy. And it shows. And God, I pray for every person in this room who is at where I'm at. God, we say we believe in you. We say we believe in you, Jesus, but then we don't live it out. And the world calls us hypocrites. So I pray, Father, that we might begin to take this seriously, that we, this life, we have one life, and when it's over, it's over. And I pray that we might begin to take your commands, see that they are the way to live life. May we begin to put them into practice. And God, we cry out for your grace to work in us and through us to do the things we could never do. And God, I pray that Whitestone might become the people in this world who shine the light of Jesus and bring transformation to a world who desperately needs it. Do that in us. I pray this in the name of Jesus, amen. Guys, I love you so very, very much. Once again, we're gonna do the same thing we did last week. We're gonna get up and we're gonna exit through those doors and then we're gonna congregate outside. We have tables and chairs set up, so we'll see you out there. Love you, have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.